welcome to Valley Christian Church. We hope you enjoy this message, and we hope you join us on Sunday mornings at 10.30. We are located at 432 East Pleasant in Tulare. After the message, take a moment and visit our website at vcctulare.com. It is our prayer that ultimately you learn to love the Lord with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This morning we're going to be in John 14. And Jesus has been around uh, with the guys at the last supper. It seems like for us the last several weeks. But really it was just one night. We just taken a little time to cover it. But Jesus has told them many things. And last week we talked about how Jesus said, I'm, I'm going away. And you know the way. And Thomas raises his hand and basically says, uh, Lord None of us have a clue of what you're talking about. You haven't given us a map. We don't know where you're going. Could you explain it to you, uh, to, to us? How could we know this way? And Jesus says to them in verse 6, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Now, I the first time I, I kind of read through this, I almost kind of got the sense that he was kind of mad. If you guys had just, if you had known me. But then I started backing up and really thinking about it. And I don't really think that tone was there. He does get frustrated in a minute. Um, and sometimes the Lord gets frustrated with us. He's just like, come on, Alan, don't you get it? I've tried to teach you this four times. Okay, 42 times. But, you know. But, you know, if you had, you know, he's like, if you had known me. If you really knew me, he says in verse 7. You would know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen them, uh, seen him. Now, Thomas is, is really thinking it. And Thomas asked the question last week, but, but he doesn't want to ask the next question. So he keeps his hand down and prays the Lord for Philip. So Philip is, you know, kind of raises his hand and, or interrupts. And, you know, he's kind of going, okay, Lord, I'm tracking with you. But he says, Lord, show us the father and that will be enough for us. If you could just do that, I mean, God, if you could just, if you could just show yourself, you, you know, you, you could do miracles here, Jesus. You've done all these things. Help us out here. Help us see the Father. And you can imagine their mind going straight to the scriptures about Moses. You know, Moses is up on the mountain of God and, and, and you know, and his, you know, God literally passes by and Moses had to hide in a cliff and he barely gets a glimpse of God's backside and he comes back down. He's glowing for days and he, you know, put a veil over his head for a while. They're immediately thinking that. They're going, oh man, we get, the, oh, That'd be, wouldn't it be awesome to see that presence of God? I mean, I would totally be like, yeah, I want to do that. I mean, that's exactly what these guys would probably be thinking, you know, exactly, probably, you know. Thank you. But they're thinking, man, if he could just appear, if we could just get a look at him, that would be enough for us. That would be all that we would ever need. After that, we would be spiritual giants, wouldn't we be, Lord? Could you do that for us? So now the Lord kind of, I kind of get the sense of frustration coming out of here in in verse 9. He says, don't you know me, Philip? Even after all, even after I've been among you for such a long time. No, no, Lord, that's not what I said. Here, here, listen to me. I, I mean, listen to me, Lord. I said, we have seen you. I, I know you, Lord. I'm your buddy. Remember, you called me way back when. I've seen you do incredible things. I've heard your words. You've done incredible things. In fact, 
We've been writing down some of those things so we could actually even remember them. Some of your teachings are incredible, Lord. The Sermon on the Mount thing. I mean, we're thinking about making it into a three or four book series. We're going to get you published. We know you. Three years, Lord, I've been with you. But the Father, could we have three years with the Father? And then maybe three years with the Holy Spirit? I mean, that'd be nine total years. We'd really be ready at that point. Nine years, Lord, we'd be on fire for you. They have no idea that less than 12 hours, their Lord and Savior is going to be hanging on a cross for them. Jesus says, Philip, pay attention here, man. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Okay, Philip, repeat after me. I, Philip, have seen the Father. Okay, Lord, I can say it, but I, but I haven't seen him. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? These words I say to you are not just my own. Don't you get it, guys? I've revealed myself. I have come. I am Emmanuel. What do you think that word is? It means God with us. They're, you know, they're like, yeah, yeah, exactly, Jesus. When are we going to, you know, when is that going to happen? We just can't wait for that to happen. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Jesus is saying, guys, who do you think I am? You think I'm just this rabbi, magical kind of kind of guy that, that's just around to, to do these miracles for you? Verse 11, he goes on and says, believe, in, believe me when I say that I am, the, uh, I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. Just my works alone, Philip, don't you recognize the Father? Was there anything I said to the Pharisees that, that, that would bring you to that conclusion? Was there anything I said to the woman at the well? Was there anything I've said to the crowds? Was it anything that I've said alone to you guys? Has any of this revealed the Father to you? Well, <laughs> when you put it like that, Lord, well, of course. How about my works, Philip? How about the miracles and the order that I chose to do them in? And the way I choose to do them? And how I've showed authority over all things, both spiritual and physical. Remember the, any of those little miracles, our big miracles? Yep, Lord, they, they were totally amazing. We like worshipped you for seven hours after that one. I totally remember it. Okay, but... Don't you see how you can tie all those together so you can see who the Father is? That healing, that calming of the waters, all those miracles, didn't it give you a clue? I've been revealing myself right before your eyes. See, this is hard for Philip. We don't know how many of them really got it at this point. It was years before John wrote all these things down. You know, did John just kind of chew on a lot of this for many, many years? And then finally the Holy Spirit just said, okay, you need to write this down now. I mean, did he fully get it then? Or did it have to be those, you know, years that go by and the maturity happen and go, oh, now I realize what he said. If you want to connect with somebody who lived in the first century with Jesus, study Philip. Because most of you would find out something. He's a guy just like you. He's a guy just like me. Just Philip. 
John 6, there were huge crowds around the disciples, and, you know, they, they said it was 5,000 men. Well, you know, okay, add in the women and children and then the big families that they had back then. You could imagine how many people it would be. They swarmed toward Jesus. And at the end of the day, they're, they're kind of getting hungry, and the disciples go to Christ and go, man, you've you got to send these guys home. There's not going to be, you know, we don't got enough food. <laughs> Jesus turns to Philip and says, what are you going to do? Philip's like, what? Well, these people are hungry. Come on, Philip. Philip just looks at Jesus and, you know, I don't think that's my responsibility. That's what I would do. I'd be like, uh, mm, not me. They should have brought some food. I, I got mine. Andrew has his. We're covered. Has the Lord ever done this to you? Alan, what are you going to do? Now, one thing I, I've learned over the years, I do learn a few things here and there. When the Lord asks that question, it's really rhetorical. You're not really supposed to answer the question. What does Philip do? He gets out his calculator, you know, whatever you want to call it back then. He's good with numbers, you know. Lord, this is eight months, months wages worth of, of stuff to be able to feed them. How are we going to do that? You know, pats the Lord on the tunic, you know. We just need to wrap it up here, Lord. Send them all home. How would... Have we addressed this? If we were Christ, Philip, you're fired. Today's day and age, Philip, you're gone. You, you, you just don't get it. Faithless Philip. It's fired, boys. Any other suggestions? <laughs> I can imagine no one, would, no one would speak up at that point. But Jesus doesn't ask, ask this, you know, act like this. He then asks, any other suggestions? Andrew, not knowing, you know what to do he kind of shoves his food forward we kind of already went through this and if you want to go back and find the cd you can find it and we do a longer teaching on this but and but the lord totally works a miracle and what does philip get to do he gets to participate he gets to walk around and pass out the food god allows him to see how god works then he afterward he gets to collect all the food 12 baskets how many disciples are there 12 disciples i can provide for you guys as the lord is saying Look at how I provide, fully and abundantly. So by John 14, when Philip asked, okay, show us the Father, Jesus is saying, I've been doing this all along. From that day, I walked up to you and said, follow me, Philip. And you did. You left your family and they're kind of scratching their heads going, ah. he just left. Some rabbi came by and said, follow me. He just left. What are we going to do? I don't know. Ever since then, you had such a little faith back then. And now you have so much more faith now that you've been following me. <laughs> no, no, Lord, I, 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 don't, I don't have more faith here. Yes, you do. And wait until I fill you with the Holy Spirit. You are just going to be, oh man, it's going to be unbelievable what you're going to do through me. What is your story? That's Philip's story. For me, doing the baptism last week was kind of, you know, brought me right back to when I was baptized and when I was a little kid. And I remember telling my junior high youth pastor, and we're still friends today. It's really cool. But I remember telling him, man, the Lord has big plans for me. I had no idea that he would have me leading others toward him. That's just, that's my role. That's what he's done for me. But Lord, I... I can't be a Moses 
or David or an Esther or a Mary. These people are huge. I can't do that. But that's just it, guys. You can. They were ordinary people like you and I. Ordinary people. But they said, Lord, I want to be used. How do you want to be used by God? All you have to say is, Lord, I want to be choose. And then make decisions accordingly. Are you going to be perfect in all those decisions? Absolutely not. Show me a man that's perfect and I'll say, okay, Christ has come back. You're never going to be perfect. But one choice builds upon another good choice upon another good choice. And you find yourselves walking toward Christ and becoming more like him. What is your story? He will use you sometimes in the most unexpected ways. Maybe it's for a coworker. Hey, do you want to come to my church? And what you're saying is, let me show you the God that I worship. He's worthy to be worshipped. That's what you're telling them. Or maybe it's that young person. When you say, you look at them and you go, don't do that stupid thing. Let me tell you about the stupid thing. Uh, believe me, there were some dumb things that I've done. Let me tell you about them so you can avoid them. Let me tell you about them. So, so you don't end up going through the, 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 the tragedies that I went through because you can make better choices. Or maybe it's, you see that? I avoided that with the help of the Holy Spirit. God allowed me to totally avoid that because he helped me, because I relied on him. Maybe it's to help start a new ministry. I don't know. Young adult ministry or missions ministry or serving with the children's ministry. Whatever the, it is, it starts with follow me. And then we make a choice. Do I or do I like where I am right now? Do I make that choice or do I stay right where I'm at? Mother Teresa called it being a little pencil in the big hand of the almighty God as he writes a love letter to the world. Now that's a great quote. That's a great concept. We're a little pencil. Some of us like, you know, the idea of big pencil. No, we're a little pencil in the big hand of the Almighty God. Verse 12, he goes on and says, I tell you the truth. And I love it when he starts out statements like this. I tell you the truth. Everything he says is truth, right? But he's making a point here. It's like triple coupon day. I mean, it's like bonus day. I'm from Texas. We had triple coupon days. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. Yeah, we, we've seen the Lord. What? What did he just say? Anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing? I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He will do greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Lord, you need to slow down here. The works that I've seen you do, the works that you've done, we'll be doing those works and even greater things. Lord, I, it's, it's, I know it was a long day. It was a hot day, but you know, I, something's gotten to you. I, I don't think so. When we hear great things, what do you immediately think? When you hear that, that, that we will be doing the things that Jesus did, what do we immediately think? We think of huge miracles, don't we? We think of Lazarus, you know, raising him from the dead. We think of, of uh, you know, uh, calming the seas out in the ocean. That's what we think of. But there's a lot more than that. Jesus is saying, my works is everything that I did. 
I came to reveal the Father. You're going to reveal the Father. I came to say certain things. You are going to say certain things through me at the right time. I came to act a certain way. You're going to act a certain way if you follow me. The world is going to love you and hate you at the same time. Then the crowd around you, they'll listen to you. Then they'll crucify you. The works that you're going to do, I've already done. Whew, okay. That's a lot better than thinking calming the waters out on the middle of the ocean or the sea or the lake. Those things are included. Some of them are big things. And some big things the Lord will have us do. But most of it is the daily actions that we choose to do when we become more like Him. You know, we'd be like, Lord... I don't want you to go. You can imagine Philip and them going, I, okay, you're, you're talking above me here, Lord. You're fixing to go. I don't want you to go. I can't do these things without you. But you know what? If he would have stayed, we would have never looked to represent him in this world. So here's how it's going to work, guys, as he's saying. I'm going to send you my Holy Spirit to fill you. And you're going to personally connect with your spirit My spirit and your spirit are going to be in you. And because I personally connect, because I, I, you know, I made you a certain way in your personality, and that's a good personality because I gave you that personality, I want to take the great attributes of that personality, not the negative ones, the great ones, and I want them to shine and represent me in this world. You know, your weird sense of humor, I'll let you keep that. But you're going to start to look and act more like me. Okay, Lord, I'm going to try. How many of you would say that? Okay, Lord, I'm going to try. Every one of us. We're all about trying. But you know, I just kind of set you up, right? Look at verse 12. I tell you the truth. He who tries really, really hard, then you might do a couple of great things in your lifetime. No. What does it say? I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith, faith, then we start to understand what faith means. He who relies upon, that's faith. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these. Now this greater things part, you know, it's kind of hard to to understand for us. It's kind of an Eastern thought. We're Western. We've been brought up a little different. This doesn't mean like, you know, greater than, you know, Christ got the bronze at the Winter Olympics and and we, you know, we got the silver or gold. It doesn't mean that. This means greater. It's like expansion of the same thing. It's like a growing out of the same thing. It's like when when you look at a kid and you go, man, they look exactly like their dad or exactly like their mom when they were that age. It's, a, it's an expansion of the same thing, only more of it. It doesn't mean that, that Jesus calmed the storm, so I'll call him two, two storms. Jesus, you know, dealt with five demons, so I'm going to deal with ten demons. It doesn't mean greater like that. It means greater in the sense of one physical body for 33 years, and then it expands on that through the Holy Spirit within us. He says, next week, we'll, we'll study, he says, the Spirit has been with you, but it will be in you. This means that instead of just one Jesus for 33 years, there will be millions of Jesuses. 
Because the Holy Spirit lives in us. Now, before some of you freak out a little bit, okay, you're thinking, we're all going to be Jesus. No, I'm not saying that. Not at all. What I'm saying is that Jesus lives in us. We don't become God. He's given us the privilege of, of putting his Holy Spirit in us when we ask for him. When we recognize him as the greater one. And all the works that happen are an expansion of what he began. Not when he showed up here on this earth as a little baby, but when he created the world. It all goes back to Genesis. Millions of Jesus' followers around the world believing in him and doing his works. That is what he's doing. That's what we're doing. And that's what I really love. Verse 13, it goes on and says, And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son of Man may bring glory to the Father. And in case you missed it, guys, I'm going to repeat it again. Verse 14, it says, You may ask for anything in my name, and I will do it. Now, aren't you glad we got to this point? This is amazing. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son of Man may bring glory to the Father. You may ask for anything in my name, and I will do it. Now, many of you know that the worst thing you can do here with this is turn it into this hocus-pocus magic kind of formula. This does not mean that every time we pray, we have to pray in the name of Jesus. It's good to do that, but you don't have to. Because then it's, it turns in, well, how do you say the name Jesus? Is it okay to say in the name of Jesus? Or do you have to go, in the name of Jesus? You know? Well, because, I mean, the way they said it, that must be more powerful. I know, I know. I can't help it. See, our walk with the Lord is like a marriage. I don't come home and say, Lisa, I love you, Lisa! She would just shake her head and go, oh, that's my husband. That's the man I married. Can you imagine the Lord up there? Is he laughing or crying about our prayers sometimes? Because we've turned it into such a formula. You know, a couple of weeks ago we had some friends over and it was time to pray. And a little boy said, can I pray? And he, and he goes on and he, a beautiful prayer that his parents taught him. He had memorized this prayer. And I'm like, that is awesome. That's totally awesome. I mean, no bones about it. He was just like, let me interrupt the pastor. I'm going to pray. It was awesome. Beautiful prayer. I can't wait until that young man grows up and realizes that was a wonderful prayer. But I don't have to have these canned prayers. I don't have to have this same saying I do over and over again. I can talk to God. I can talk to my father like he's right next to me. That's an awesome thing. We don't have to have this formula. The Bible is very clear. He hears our hearts. He hears our hearts, guys. Read the Bible. God is not like, give me a call when you need a miracle. Now, the other abuse of this is those we, you know, who don't get the glorified part. Because, you know, they say that, you know, this says that I can ask for anything in his name and I will get it. I can name it, I can claim it, I can nab it, I can grab it. I can just grab a hold of it because I said it in Jesus' name. So therefore, he is stuck in a box and he has to do it. There's been many people to kind of grab that. Don't do that. 
Don't treat my God like that. Don't treat your God like that. The Lord is kind of like saying, I'll still love you, but I won't like it. Because guess what? You're not in charge of God, and I'm not in charge of God. We're not in charge. God is. You know, I don't know where this thought came from that we get to be in charge of God. And if you read his words, you know, those who are serving him and doing great things are are really humble in this position in life that says, I am a sinful person. How can you use me, God? How can you use me? And he says, because I've cleaned you. I've forgiven you. I don't see your sin anymore. Why? Because I forgave that sin because you accepted my son. Don't follow the false religion that says, I named it, therefore I claim it. That makes Jesus into this spectacular Christmas season and it becomes this mystical, you know, or mythical character. I go to the shopping mall in life and I I look around and I tag all the stuff that I want to have. I would go into a whole other thing with that, but we got kids here and I don't want to have to have parents explain everything. But we don't go in and go, I want this, I want this, and I, you know, I haven't been naughty, so you have to give it to me. Because when this doesn't happen, what happens? I have problems. I claimed it, it doesn't happen, then I have problems. Jesus is not like this. Jesus is the Almighty, the everlasting God, the Prince of Peace. The Emmanuel, the God with us, the rock, the fortress, the shelter, the creator, the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end, the everlasting, the I am. He is the only one, the self-existent, eternal God. He is the Father. He is the Spirit. He's part of the triune being that created this world. And he's coming back in in power, mighty power. And when he does, we're not going to go and slap him on the back and say, thanks for the Hummer. It was great to drive. I claimed it and I worshiped it. We don't do that. We fall down and we worship our Lord. Now, this doesn't mean that this passage isn't true and powerful just because it's been misinterpreted by some. It doesn't mean that at all. Let's go back in and let's, let's see what it says to us. Let's interpret it. If I believe in him and begin, and to, move, begin to move and function in his name, and I study you know, his word, which is what? It's all about his name from Genesis to Revelation. It's all about him and his name and who he is. And he reveals it to us. His name is his reputation. It is who he is. It's how he functions. It's how he thinks. And when I begin to study it, my name begins to be stripped away and it begins to be replaced by his name. And he adopts me into his family under his name. And he walks in, you know, and I, well, I walk in and I go, I'm not worthy to be your son. I'm not worthy to be adopted into that. Because I mean, look at me, Lord, look at the sin. And he goes, yes, you are. I made you worthy. And while I'm in this messy, gross, and dirty world, and my body is messy and gross and dirty, he accepts me in like the prodigal son. And he puts the royal coat on me. And he takes the ring off his finger that represented all authority, and he puts it on my finger. 
And he says, I've given you my name to represent me. When you're in the, out in the middle of that field, when you've been walking with the Lord, and you're in tune with Jesus, then you have the authority to speak into situations. And God says, this is exactly what I would do, what you're asking for, so therefore, I will. Then we start to realize, just like Philip did when he's walking around gathering extra food that was left over, that God picked me, and he saved me, and he filled me with the Holy Spirit, and now I get to participate in his power. The Lord has given us authority for a reason. And that authority, if you step on a snake, the bite won't kill you. No. I'm not saying go out there in some of those Eastern religions that are you know, all about this mystical stuff and get bitten by, oh, it doesn't kill me now. I'm not talking about that. The snake is, I'm not saying a real snake. I'm just saying in his authority, you're not going to get bitten like you would if you're in your own authority. Why? Because we get to go to heaven when he says we get to go to heaven. The snake doesn't kill us. See, if you believe in me and function in my name, Jesus says, you will understand what I'm all about. Then you will automatically ask for things that will glorify me. And you'll stop asking for things that don't glorify me. And if you don't know what to ask for, then you ought to pray like I taught you how to pray. How was that? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. So even though I don't know what to pray here, Lord, you're saying that I can still pray. Yep. Your will be done. Well, Lord, if you're looking for suggestions, my thought is that you should heal the cancer. But Lord, it is about your will. And the Lord goes, you know, this is great. I do take suggestions. Luckily, he doesn't go, man, that, that, that's really a dumb prayer. Thankless little prayer. Can't believe you praying for that. See, it's all about his glory. He heals people who have faith, and he heals people who don't have faith. He heals people who ask and those who don't ask. He heals people who touch him and who yell at him. He heals people in other towns when he's not even in there. You know, I mean, these are all born out through the scriptures. He heals people who are dead, so they, you know, they, they couldn't even ask. Lazarus, he couldn't ask, he was dead. And he healed them. So what locks our prayers? Sometimes it's lack of faith. But I don't want you to ever get put in the box of, that didn't happen because you didn't have enough faith. It doesn't work like that. What blocks our prayers? How about sin? Sometimes sin does. We have this hidden sin and we think the Lord knows nothing about. I hid, you know, it's under the covers pretty well. He knows nothing about this one. We go to the Lord, can you help me out here? And, and by the way, bless me. And he says, I'm glad you showed up. I want to talk to you about something. But Lord, that, that's not why I'm here right now. I'm here to, to help somebody. I'm praying about them. And the Lord's like, no, no, no. I want to talk to you about something. Why would the Lord bless you? When, you know, why would the Lord bless me and you when we're blatantly living in sin? Now, we all sin every day. You know, there, there's sin that just, just happens. And, and we go to the Lord and say, forgive me for that. But there's that blatant choice that we make over and over. And he's going, until you take care of that, we've got to take care of that. 
before we deal with all this other stuff. Faith could block, block prayers. My sin could block prayers. You know, the Lord didn't even accept an offering because the, the, you know, the person had, a, had something against somebody else. The Lord said, that, that's not even acceptable to me. The Lord is like, nope, I don't accept that. You were supposed to work that thing out seven years ago and you've been walking around all bitter for seven years? Don't ask me to bless that. See, all sorts of things can block my prayers, but it doesn't mean that Scripture is wrong. He says, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son of Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. It's all about what glorifies Him. How many of you have something that's totally unresolvable in your life right now? You don't have to raise your hand. That you're thinking, only a miracle can solve this. There's five steps. And this is not some, oh, let's make a book out of it or something like that. But if you need to help focus yourself, when you have something that's totally unsolvable in your life, try these. One, is focus on that thing. Whatever it is, and now focus on Jesus. On Jesus. That's where our focus needs to be. Not on the problem. We need to keep our focus on Jesus. Secondly, you need to purify your hearts and your own motives. What is, what is my motive here, Lord? Why do I want this to happen? Clear out everything, everything in your life that's selfish about this. And then you get to pray the, you know, the prayer that David prayed. Cleanse me, O Lord. See if there's any wickedness. Lead me in the way of the everlasting. Take that sin out of me that we both know is there. Oh Lord, I don't have enough faith on this one. Give me more faith. Oh Lord, I don't know how to pray. I'm still praying like a child. The Lord's like, just talk to me. And then three, you have to believe. You have to believe. It's about believing. Get your faith off your faith. Get your faith off your method. And get your faith onto Jesus. Remind yourself of his name before you use it in prayer. It's a powerful, powerful name. We've got to focus. We've got to purify. We've got to believe. And then number four, ask. Simply ask. It doesn't have to be in flowery languages. Uh, you know, fly, uh, languages. How many different languages do you know? Um, it doesn't have to be in flowery language. You know, I mean, there was some Star Wars of the faith that I grew up. You know, older men that, that I just totally looked up to. And, and, I mean, they just had powerful prayers. And, and, you know, and I was so impressed by the language. And I come to find out, those are wonderful prayers. I'm not knocking that. But come to find out, I couldn't pray like that. That's just not my personality. It's not the personality the Lord gave me. He's like, Alan, I made you a little different. That's how they communicate with me. You figure out how you communicate with me. Simply ask. Either ask specifically or that God will just be glorified. So we focus on Jesus, we purify ourselves, we believe, and we ask. And number five, you open your eyes and watch. Now give God more than 15 minutes. Or 24 hours. Give God as much time as you can before you start freaking out. It depends on the issue, doesn't it? 
Let me tell you one thing. The deadline that you have in your head, it's wrong. It's wrong. God is in control. Lose the deadline and watch God. And then do it all over again. See, it's a journey. It's a journey of maturity that begins to reveal what? That in Him and through Him, everything is glorified. And He gives us that power to ask. And then we have to allow Him to choose in the long run. I know you have a short-term thing that you want, Alan, but in the long run, does it glorify me? And that's the decision that he makes. We don't command God. We don't name it. We don't claim it. But we do ask, and he wants us to ask. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you as simple beings. We come before you as simple people with sin in our lives. And we pray, Lord, that you help us focus on you. Lord, we pray that you help us see how our lives need to be purified by by your saving grace, by your mercy, your love, and your forgiveness. That we need to open up our hearts and say, this is wrong, Lord, what I've done here. And I ask for forgiveness. Clean out everything that's selfish, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that you help me believe. Believe in you, believe in your actions, believe in your sovereign control, that you understand everything that I'm feeling everything that I want. And Lord, I I pray that you help match that up with what your desires are. And Lord, we simply ask. We ask that you be in control of our lives. That when you give us the desires of our heart, it's because we've asked for those desires that you would have for us. And Lord, I pray that we can just set back and be mature enough to sit back and watch you do your job. Watch you do your wondrous works, knowing that you've been revealed to us all along through your grace and your mercy, through your creation, through your love for for dying on the cross for us. That we not only get to see you, Father, we not only get to see your Son, we not only get to experience the Holy Spirit in our lives, but one day we get to be with all three in heaven. Now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine down upon you, give you more faith, give you more desires that match up with His, give you a desire to to really want to know Him and search Him out. I pray that His face never turns from you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.